from Sarasota Memorial and the Deb Kavanaugh Multimedia Studio. This is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. Hi, everybody. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Gottermeyer. Thank you for joining us today as we talk about allergies, developing allergies later in life, and all the treatments available. Our guest today is Dr. Alicia Alvarez, an allergist and immunologist here in Sarasota with First Physicians Group. Dr. Alvarez, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So can you start by just hitting the basics? We've all heard of allergies, but in case you haven't experienced them, what are they? Yeah, so I think the word allergy is used pretty broadly in society uh, to mean pretty much anything that makes us not feel good. Um, when I think about allergies, I think about a very specific immune mechanism. And when we get our body gets exposed to a trigger, our immune system recognizes it as dangerous, even though it may not be dangerous, like an oak pollen. And so when that, we breathe in that oak pollen, our immune system sees it and attacks it. And that causes a chain reaction, which leads to the common symptoms of allergies, which include runny nose, stuffy nose, itchy, watery eyes, and sneezing. How common are allergies? So speaking specifically about nasal allergies, about 10 to 30% of the US population has um, nasal allergies. And what are the most common allergies people come to see you for? Yeah, so we see a lot of environmental allergies. So those pollen allergies, dust mite, and pet danders, specifically affecting the nose. We also see patients for food allergies and medication allergies as well. How are allergies actually diagnosed? So there's a few ways we can test for allergies. Really the gold standard is what happens when you're exposed to these um, allergic triggers. Um, but then to test in the office, most commonly we do skin prick testing. And that's when we use kind of a plastic pricky device where we can um, expose your skin to specific allergens. And then after about 15, 20 minutes, if there's a small local reaction, we can identify that as a positive, as an allergy for you. Um, we use that to test for multiple environmental triggers and foods. Um, to do that, you do have to stop some medications such as antihistamines and certain cardiac or psychiatric medications. If that's not possible, we do also have blood testing. It tends not to be as comprehensive, but it is a really good option for certain patients. Are there some allergies that can't be tested with those external, like the prick testing? Yeah, so we can only test for um, what we have available as testing supplies. So we have certain fruits that may not, you know, or vegetables or foods that may not be um, testable because we don't have, you know, the actual antigen from a company that doesn't manufacture it. Uh, we do have certain options for foods that we could do um, in the office, um, but there are some other things that environmentally that we won't be able to test for. Um, there are thousands of molds and uh, we can't test for all of them just because they're not all available. The biggest question most people have when they have an allergy, can my allergy be cured? <laughs> um, so probably the best option in, in curing allergies is something called immunotherapy. And that's a way that um, over time, we can desensitize the immune system to um, induce tolerance. So sort of like a vaccine, if we slowly expose your immune system to the allergen, over time, your body will become more comfortable with that trigger. And so you have fewer of those symptoms overall. We really change that underlying immune mechanism there, um, which is you know, stronger than just taking a medicine to treat the symptoms, because once that medicine leaves your body, the symptoms will still be there. And then on the other side of the coin, is it possible to live most of your life without allergies mm -hmm. and then develop allergies later in life? Um, in general, it's a little bit unusual to develop new allergies later in life, um, but that's not impossible, especially folks that move to a new environment. After a year or two, you know, you're being exposed to new things and it's certainly possible that you can develop a new allergy. 
are there diseases that cause symptoms similar to allergies that can be confusing? Yes, there are a lot of diseases that can cause similar symptoms. Um, any inflammation in the nose can cause, you know, um, stuffy nose, runny nose. Um, we call those non-allergic rhinitis. Um, and that can range from, you know, dryness in the nose, which can give you that, you know, uncomfortable feeling in the nose to, um, you know, actual um, uh, Mess messages from the nerves that send the signal for too much nasal drainage. That, we see that a lot in our older patients, especially triggered by eating foods, strong smells, exercise, or temperature changes. They'll have clear drainage out the nose. It's not necessarily an allergy, but still has inflammation in the nose. And then for eye symptoms, dry eye or inflammation of the eyelids can also cause similar symptoms. Are stress and allergies linked at all? So I don't have much evidence to show that stress causes allergies, but it can certainly amplify the symptoms you have. If someone suspects they're developing allergies or have allergies mm -hmm. that have been undiagnosed, what should they do? Yeah. Probably what's really helpful for me is for them to take note of when these symptoms are happening. Does it happen, you know, every March or every August? Um, does it happen when they eat a specific food? Um, and then outside of that, really coming in to do testing. Uh, once we kind of verify what the allergies are, we can be more proactive in starting with medications or immunotherapy to help prevent the symptoms or minimize them. So we talked about that immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to start that early with children to help them kind of grow out of allergies? Yeah. So there is some evidence that being on immunotherapy prevents developing new allergies. Um, there are certain limitations. It takes about two years at a minimum to really see the allergies that your child will develop. They need to see each season twice. Um, and there is evidence that as they get older, you know, five to 10, they may develop new allergies that we don't see at two years old. Um, but certainly that is an option for patients who have severe allergies as, as children or if they have allergic asthma. And then is for new parents or parents-to-be even, expecting parents, are there any ways to prevent allergies? Yeah. So we have pretty good evidence for breastfeeding for the first four to six months of life. Um, there's no need for moms to reduce or limit their diet in any way unless they're told specifically by a provider to do that. Um, eliminating tobacco exposure is also important. Um, there is some evidence that minimizing house dust mite exposure by keeping those levels in the home low can be helpful in preventing dust mite allergy. There's kind of confusing data for pet danders. Um, so the jury's still out on that. Um, and then for food allergy, actually there's increasing evidence that early introduction at age appropriate um, levels uh, can help prevent allergy, specifically for peanut. And I think there's more information coming out for milk and egg as well. And do you work with patients to help them establish how to start introducing those allergens? We do, yep. We have some recipes and specific guidance um, that we recommend all patients use. I wanna briefly talk about allergy treatments. Mm -hmm. How has the treatment of allergies improved over time? Yeah, um, probably um, you know patients, consumers can see there's lots of allergy medications on the market now. Um, and thankfully, a lot of them are safer than what they used to be. Um, they have fewer side effects and um, are safe to use long-term. Um, so that's medication-wise. And then immunotherapy, we have more and more evidence for standardized dosing. So using doses that we know are safe and effective for patients. And you specialize in that allergen immunotherapy. Can you talk a bit about these more advanced allergy therapies? Yeah, so allergen immunotherapy is sort of like a long-term treatment option where we can really change that underlying mechanism that causes allergy symptoms. 
Um, so over time, your body will become more tolerant to those pollens that used to bother you. And the goal will be to reduce the symptoms and the medications that you use over time. And that impact and benefit will last even after you stop immunotherapy after several years. If patients think this might be a good option for them, what should be their next steps? Yeah, I think talking with your primary care doctor um, about seeing an allergist, formally getting tested, um, and seeing if they're healthy and say it's safe, a safe option for them to pursue immunotherapy. And if they do go the route of immunotherapy, how does it work? Yeah, so there's a few different options. Um, most traditionally is what we call allergy shots or vaccines to allergy. Um, and that involves coming in for a buildup phase of several months to weeks um, where you come in and we do an injection. And in those, that process, we're um, injecting you with small doses of the things you're allergic to. Um, so start very small and gradually increase to those standardized dosing. And eventually we'll hit into this maintenance phase where you're coming in once a month and we do your usual injection and we kind of maintain that change your immune system has. There are other ways that you can do immunotherapy. There are FDA-approved tablets that go under the tongue and try to do the same thing by exposing your immune system over time to what you're allergic to. And we also do allergy drops, which are similar, um, but we are able to add in some things that are not part of the FDA-approved tablets. Are there any home remedies uh, that you recommend to patients or that, are, that patients can try before maybe they even come see you? Yeah, so probably the biggest thing is limiting exposure. Um, so for house dust mite, trying to decrease the humidity in your home, ideally less than 40%, um, you know, washing your sheets once a week. Uh, pollens are a little bit harder because, you know, we want you to go outside and live your life. Um, but when you do come inside, change your clothes, wash your hair, um, sometimes doing a saline nasal rinse can be helpful. And when you're outside using sunglasses to kind of protect your eyes from the pollens. Um, for pets, um, we recommend at least keeping them out of the bedroom. So you have a little bit, you know, one space where you don't have pet dander as, as little as possible anyway, if rehoming the pet is not an option, which for many patients it isn't. So speaking of pets, yeah, furry friends are part of the family. Absolutely. Um, how do you help parents who maybe have children um, after they've already had a pet and maybe they're concerned the child might have some of those dander allergies? Yeah, so um, really keeping um, the pet out of the bedroom is important. Um, while you know the child is sleeping, there you know it's really important for their health to be sleeping, to regenerating, you know, increasing their energy. Um, to have the pet out of the bedroom, keep the pet off the bed at all times. Um, you know, some some kids really do love the animals, and that's really hard. And sometimes we just end up treating symptom-wise with medications or immunotherapy. Um, and for some families, it's really just not an option to remove the pet from the home. Um, we don't have super great evidence for hypoallergenic breeds, um, but certain patients are more susceptible or sensitive to specific species, and that may be kind of where that uh, comes into play. What do you think most people don't know about allergies or their treatments that you wish they did? Yeah. Um, I, I want patients to know that we certainly have great treatment and testing options available and that, you know, usually figuring out is this an allergy is the first step. There are a lot of things that can cause similar symptoms. Um, and so figuring out do we have allergies, do we not have allergies is the first step. And then we can really pursue those treatments to get you feeling better. And we have lots of great treatment options that will kind of fit into each patient's quality of life and, um, you know, what they feel like is important for them. Yeah, what do you say to patients who are resistant to treatment? Because all they think of is maybe the older allergy medicines that really make them feel drowsy or tired and they're worried about that. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely we try to avoid those what we call first generation antihistamines because there are so many side effects. Um, but the, there are a lot of other medications, particularly pills or even local nasal sprays that can offer a lot of relief. And if we're very resistant to doing any medicines, immunotherapy is you know, sort of a natural way to change your immune system. Dr. Alvarez, thanks so much for this insight into allergies, especially here in Florida where we love getting out and about. Absolutely. I know so many people are exposed to those allergens, so we like to help them get a leg up. <laughs> Thank you so much. And as always, we encourage everyone to visit smh.com to get the latest information from Sarasota Memorial. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.